1: This is Joseph Brownlee. Welcome to Body of Christ Real Talk. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and a hello to all my night listeners in the US of A and also internationally around the world. Welcome to Body of Christ Real Talk. Let's continue. What the topics I have been talking about. We're going to get right into it. I'm going to piggyback what I left off on on the previous podcast. For the ones that's new that know what I'm talking about, please go back to the last four podcasts and you will get all the information that uh, I have been talking about dealing with Christendom. Dealing with Christendom. I gave this series a name since I'm I'm going to be dealing with a lot of uh, aspects of Christianity because there's a lot of myths, uh, as well as a lot of misconceptions about being a Christian. Not only for the believers, but even more for the unsaved, for the ones that are uh, that we need to be reaching. If you are unsaved. And you are not a believer. And if you don't understand what I mean by that, I just you never uh, accepted the Lord Jesus in your life by believing what he'd done for you, his death, burial, uh, and resurrection, what he'd done for you. That's the only way to be saved, according to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 and 4. I will talk about that later, and I will give you a chance to have that opportunity to have assurance of salvation. But at the at the time... I thank you for tuning in to this podcast and a special show that I'm doing. This is an off the back show, meaning this is just an impulse show that I wanted to talk about. And I just felt led in my spirit to just really get more into the subject of Christianity. So I gave it a name about a day ago. uh, The real Christianity. Do you know what's you de- the real Christianity, there is a real Christianity out there. There is a real way to be saved. There is there is a church that's uh, organically real. Now, why do I go that route? Because contrary to uh, world religions, religious beliefs, Christianity, the word, the term Christianity has been uh, used so loosely throughout the uh, years and centuries Uh, Ever since the last apostles, Uh, Christianity, Christendom, and the name Christian, the term Christian has been, I would say, abused over the centuries. And it helped some, but it really ran others away because the way people look at Christianity and the way people look at Christendom, okay? Okay. So uh, that's what I've been getting into, different topics on the gospel of salvation, uh, Christianity, Christendom, what's the difference between being in the body of Christ and being called a Christian? Are they the same thing? You know, different things like that. Now, the body of Christ is a biblical term used by Christ himself, to the uh, Apostle Paul. It is a real term the body of Christ. Also, uh, the new creature is a real term. The term Christian was not a heavenly term used by Jesus to tell Paul. Matter of fact, Paul didn't even come up with the name Christian. Paul, Peter, and other apostles. The name Christian, they were called Christians because they was identified as being Christ-like or followers of Christ or believers of Christ. So they, they was given the name Christian. So what I mean is the name Christian was not ordained from Jesus to tell Paul to call everybody Christians. You understand what I'm saying? The name Christian is actually a a derogatory name. It wasn't a bad name to lift up the followers of Christ, but to really put them down. Or there was an identification for any believers in that time, and, uh, around that time in Acts 11, when it was explained, when it was first called Christians, identified, identified them going through the transition into the Apostle Paul's uh, gospel as being Christ followers, because before then, they was only known as the church of the way. They followed the way of Jesus Christ or believers. And then back in the uh, four gospels, they was mainly known as disciples. So... I wanted to put that out there and I got, I I broke that down, you know, the terms importance of the term of being a Christian and being part of the body of Christ. In that aspect, the reason I went that way because I want to just have you to understand or, uh, teach you about identifying yourself as a believer and part of the body of Christ, because the average person, uh, if I ask, and I, I, I talked about this before, just if I asked you or anyone uh, were you a Christian, a lot of you will say, yes, I'm a Christian. But if I just come back and just say, okay, are you saved? Then a lot of you may say, well, I'm not really saved, or you might not even know what that term means. You understand what I'm saying? And then I come a third word. You and say, "Are you part of the body of Christ?" Most of you, or not you, just listening to me, but are most of the people, or as part of Christendom, will have no idea what I'm talking about. You, you see what I'm saying? They, the term Christian, is well known. The term being saved is second well known. You know, is 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 behind being a Christian. But the term body of Christ, even in the church, it's not used as much. Sadly, it's not. And most people kind of look at you with a deer in the head, like when you mention the body of Christ. And that's just especially young Christians. Most of the older believers or older church goers, but I'm just going to speak as believers, someone that is part of the body of Christ family, will know their term. They might not know too much about it. You know, it depends how much is taught in their church, because a lot of times if they're reading some of Paul's letters or whatever like that, they read right over it, don't pay too much attention to it. Not all of it, a lot of people do, but I'm just saying uh, a remnant of the church does. But they, they, even though the body of Christ is mentioned more than the term, the term body of Christ is mentioned more than the term Christian, they use the term Christian more than the body of Christ. Yes, they use the term, we use the term Christian more than the body of Christ. And cr- the term Christian is only used three times in the Bible. Once in Acts 11, then you go to uh, King Agrippa when he says, Paul, are you trying to persuade me to be a Christian? Then Peter says, uses the term Christian. Those are the only three times that the word Christian is used, period, in the Bible. It has been used predominantly, majority, the time when you're trying to identify yourself as a believer, you identify yourself traditionally to from after the apostles even today as a Christian. People are more familiar with the term Christian. You understand what I'm saying? The second is are you saved? Now we used to use that a lot in old school going uh spiritually growing up in a Pentecostal church and whatever like that. I I grew up in a uh, spiritual church of God in Christ and mostly a lot of Pentecostal Baptists and mostly Protestant church, you know, use that term. But I'm just talking about the uh, denomination I grew up in, you know, uh, use, are you saved? You need to be saved. You know, saved and Christian was put together. But if you mention the body of Christ, I I very similarly or never heard when I was young Body of Christ. I, I really never heard that. And that's very interesting. I never heard that term being of the body of Christ. You know, I don't even remember, but I, I, I know the name Christian. I know about being saved, but the body of Christ or the new creature. No, these are the three I grew up knowing that was indwelt in my head growing up and many others, too. You probably couldn't agree. Christian, being saved and being born again. Those three. Christian, being saved and being born again. Those three terms are very popular in Christian Dome. You understand what I'm saying? So basically God was hitting up there but uh, the term body of Christ around maybe around you, but in my upbringing, even through my adult, even over my thirty something years of being saved, until I start, you know, understanding the teachings of Paul and what, what church I am I do belong to. Because until you identify yourself in a body of Christ and you identify yourself as being in the body of Christ, and you understand that you are part of the body of Christ. You're not part of anything else. You're not part of the kingdom church. You're not part of none of that you're a part of the body of Christ, then it, can't, it will or it should grow in you and you should be identifying yourself as part of the body of Christ or a new believer or a new creature. Now, what I'm not saying is saying, you know, I'm not saying stop using the term Christian. I'm not saying that it's a beautiful term, uh, but I'm just letting you know that term was not ordained by Jesus and it wasn't ordained by Paul. It was just called through there. You know, Paul never in his letters talked about Christians, If you read the Apostle Paul's letters, 13 letters, Romans through Philemon, he mentions nothing about Christians. He talks about the church. He talks about the body of Christ. He talks about the new creature. He never mentions Christian. If you read the letters of Paul. Okay. Peter mentioned Christians only one time and his two letters together one time. James mentioned Christian none. John mentioned Christian and none of his letters. Why? Because that name Jesus was still alive in St. John. So the name Christian was not even in existence. They was mostly known as disciples and later on came apostles or the followers of Jesus were uh, disciples. My point is, you know, we lay heavily on a name that's not even ordained for us to use, see, Uh, We're not even even really part of it, but it's just a traditional name. But we are part of the body of Christ, those that are saved. See, the ones that are saved is part of the body of Christ, not Christian. Christian is just a a name. Okay, that's what I'm trying to get out there. Now, that might be this might be new to a lot of listeners because many uh. Older and new believers are confused if you just get them, you just ask them, they're a Christian, say yes, then you say you're part of the body of Christ, so you might find a little hesitation, then they'll catch on what you say, yes, I'm part of the body of Christ, or you ask Christ, or you ask the person, are you a Christian or are you saved? You might have some people, like I reiterated on in my last show, that say that they are a Christian, but they are not saved or they'll say I'm saved, but being a Christian, I need to work more. I need to get better in my life. I need to uh, stop sinning and stuff like that. Then I become a Christian. See, it's a lot of confusion. Okay. But that's what I've been talking about my last few podcasts. Not just of, uh, I believe that's very important for listeners, the saved and the unsaved to understand. The unsaved, why it's important for the unsaved to understand they never heard this term before, so they won't, they've been hurt, you know, they've been confused about the term Christian, because so many people say they are Christian. Not that they are saved, most definitely not that they are part of the body of Christ. Because if you say you're part of the body of Christ, the majority of people will say, okay, what is that if they never heard of it? What does that mean? Then that gives you a chance to explain to them or even help them to understand What the body of Christ is and how they can be part of it. But when you say you are a Christian, many people don't ask questions or, you know, basically, even believers. They just, okay, thank yes, that's good. You are a Christian because they got their own interpretation of what a Christian is, so they don't question that too much. Only thing they may ask is what church you belong to, or what church you go to. See, church with the four walls as of a building, what church you go to, but far as, uh, as far as how do you become a Christian or why do you believe you're a Christian or when did you first get saved, you don't find too much of that. So that's the confusion, and I think that's the enemy is causing that in the body of Christ itself and in the term Christendom, okay? All right. So I'm not going to get into that again, but if you have any questions and comments on that, we can get onto that, or you need the scriptures to find those three terms used in Christianity. I don't know right off back, but I got them in my head, but I have to look for them and find it for you as well. Okay. All right. When I left off the last time, I was uh I left off on uh could a homosexual go to heaven, remember? And that question is leading up to the gospel of salvation. What is the gospel of salvation or uh, what is the gospel of salvation to you? If you went, I asked a question, if you had the opportunity to witness to a person about the gospel of salvation, what will be your message to them, and what will be the gospel salvation that you will present to them? Remember, I asked that question some about, somewhat in that way. I talked about that in my last podcast, and I hope a lot of you believers uh, that's listening to me uh, thought about that. You know, and if you have any verses, I would like for you, you know, I'm asking nicely to write them down. Those salvation messages. Uh, to write those messages down, okay? The reason I'm doing this because is it important for you and I to know what is the gospel of salvation? Not contrary to what we was brought up to believe it was. Is that a real importance to you? Also, if you wrote down several scriptures of salvation, if they are, are there different ways of being salvation according to, what you, according to what you believe or they're just lined up with the same structure of being saved? Okay. What I mean by that, okay, there's God uh, delivered people many ways. Many people call it dispensations. the many ways God used people to, for salvation. It was not the same. It was not the same how people was able to get close to God. Many churches believe it was, but it was not the same, you know, to be, to get a relationship with God, you know, far that All right. Also, uh, the two main, the two well-known gospels is the gospel of the kingdom of heaven and the gospel of the grace of God. Gospel of the Kingdom kingdom of Heaven was ushered in by... It was prophesied, but it was that that name in general was ushered in by John the Baptist. And then, it, uh, when Jesus came, to, he handed a man to Jesus. And Jesus was preaching the kingdom of heaven, or what the preacher uh, he told his apostles they have to preach the kingdom of heaven. That was the gospel. The gospel of the kingdom of heaven is mentioned mentioned over thirty five times in the book of Matthew because Matthew represents Jesus as being king. It's not mentioned as much in the book of Luke, Mark, and John. See, it's not mentioned as much. It's mostly uh the kingdom of God and stuff like that. And I'm going to break down what the kingdom of God is. Sometimes it's used interchangeably, but, you know, kingdom, that's another breakdown. So I'm not going to confuse you on that. But usually uh, Mark, Luke, and John mostly deal with the kingdom of God. Now, now like John mostly deals with Jesus' deity, him being the son of God and him being God. It deals with him as being Uh, The son of God, oh God, John is totally different. It doesn't dwell on uh, the birth of Jesus and the genealogy like Matthew and Luke and et cetera. And then the book of Mark mostly deals with Jesus being a servant. So it's kind of a fast action, showing Jesus being the servant, you know, uh, his his signs and wonders and miracles and stuff that he was doing like that. While the book of Luke deals closely to the humanity of Jesus, so it gets more into the birth, the baby birth, it gets more into Zacharias, it gets more into Elizabeth and stuff like that, it gets more into the birth of John the Baptist, or Jesus' humanity and stuff like that. Four different unique books. Four different unique books, you know. Uh, displaying Jesus' uh, earthly ministry while he was on earth. Okay. Now, the reason I said all that is because that's a lot of things I've been talking. I want you to get the real definition of what it means to be a real Christian. What it What it means to be a real Christian? Now, Joe, you you might be people might ask you, "What do you mean by a real Christian?" Now, when they was called Christians in Antioch, I think that's Acts eleven, when it was going into Paul's ministry and when they was being persecuted or they they had a big following which was called the way and uh they was called christians they was first called christians according to the book of acts 11 in that chapter they was first called christians you know and their history uh tells you you know because it doesn't tell you why in that particular book, you have to really look it up and dig it in because. But the, the reason was being like I said, it was a it wasn't a good name. It was a it just meant Christ like a Christ follower. That's all it meant. Okay, all right, okay. The next few shows, I'm going to be dealing with uh, a very important, so the most important uh, topic of them all when it comes to the Word of God or the Bible, and that's the gospel of your salvation. I have done this before, but I, I like to go back to things, you know, because I might have, have a few new listeners and stuff like that, you know. And right off the back, I've done so many videos. This this is close to my, three. I think this is my 349th video I have done. And I don't have a library where I can just go and just say, okay, go to three something or go to two-something. You'll find that. You have to go back and look for it or something like that. But if you request it, I promise I can find it for you. I'm not set up equipment-wise like that. I'm still new to podcasting shows. But that's why I just go over things again. But I'm going into more detail the best way I can by the help of the Holy Spirit, more detail about Christendom. What is a real Christian? So you won't have no more excuses on, as a believer, what is a real Christian or for the listener to understand how you could become a Christian or part of the body of Christ. You won't be confused. You won't. It won't be so easy for you to just listen to somebody that say they're a Christian. You will have some type of admonition offensively and defensively to defend whatever your faith of being in the body of Christ because that's what we are. We are in the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ and we are the new creature. Okay. All right. Now I left out uh, the last podcast uh, about homosexuality.
0: of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at JoinMIDI.com.
2: Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: And I wanted to deal with this on another short series. Okay. But what I didn't want people to think uh, that I am bashing or I'm out there attacking homosexuals. I don't want nobody to think that. You know, because I love homosexuals as well. I love that. I love uh, 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 people that's in a lot of things besides homosexuality. Now, let me tell you this. The reason I am talking about this topic because uh, that's one of the biggest movements that's out there, not only so much just homosexuality. And a lot of people struggle with that. I understand that. And I feel for them. A lot of people doesn't partake. And this movement that's going on, there's a lot of gay and lesbians do not partake in this, this woke movement that's going on, which is hurting our kids and destroying and corrupting our kids, which I hate. So I'm just letting you know, I'm not put I'm not talking about that. I'm going to deal with that the best way that I can. Uh I'm not I'm I don't advocate that I understand everything about homosexuality. I just know it's immoral in God's eyes. You might say a lot of things are immoral. Yes, but my point is this is a topic about that. Now, I will deal with topics about fornication, pornography, and different things like that as well. But in this for the last year or so especially, this homosexually Uh, homosexual and transgenderism movement has been so powerful and moving fast. So I like to stay with the trend that's so hot today. You don't hear uh, marches and uh, people forcing uh, fornication or forcing adultery or forcing uh, well, what's been forced now, I'm going to talk about that too is uh, uh, sex trafficking and stuff like that. So I'm going to deal with the two uh, demonic things that's really and like that is demonic transgender transgenderism. Yet the people are sick, and that's not normal. And it is demonic when you force it on kids, or when you're touching kids. It's it's uh, it's demonic. Uh, it's just demonic to me. Okay. But so those are the two strong movements that's out there that I think need to be addressed from a Christian lens, Christian or sp- uh, uh, I believe, or Christian perspective. Because they're the two strongest movements out there now, which is uh, homosexuality, transgenderism, which is kind of in the same family. And you might have some uh, homosexuals that disagree with this. Now, I'm saying transgenderism. uh, I'm not using that over the term drag queen. We grew up... uh, I'm using the term drag queen. I think it's somewhat of a because drag queen is just a man dressed up like a woman, and it doesn't mean he's gay all the time. But anybody wanna dress up like a woman, something is wrong with him anyway. But I'm just saying it don't mean that he's gay. It's just it just means that he dresses up like a woman for acting or whatever like that for sure, whatever. Those what I call uh uh drag queens or cross dresses, but I'm talking about transgenderism. Someone that's really wants to be a man or wants to be a woman. That's what I'm talking about. Not a cross-dresser, but a transgender that identifies themselves, a woman that identifies herself as a man and a man identifies himself as a woman, as a female, you know, or tra- or the name non-binary. You're not male or female. You could become either one. That's what I'm talking about. That movement right there as well. Not so much drag queen and cross-dressing because all drag queens and tra- cross-dressers are not gay. They're not lesbians. You know, that's what I want to put out there. So I do know the difference. All right. And then uh, a question that I think needs to be answered was a question about homosexuals: uh, could a homosexual go to heaven? Uh, and that might be a tough question, but when you look at it in a biblical term, and I don't consider myself an expert on this, but you don't have to be an expert on that. You just got to believe what the Bible says. What do I mean by that? It means you don't have to try to dig and guess, or try to make nobody fool, or try to be careful. I, I, I'm over trying to be careful now. I go back what the bot. I go back the definitions of what the Bible say uh, about being in heaven and what God is expecting. Now, what do I mean by that? It comes to salvation. What's the way to be saved today? Is believing what Jesus done on the cross's death. Burial and resurrection, correct. I explained it many times, and uh, by faith, faith alone. You just have to believe that anybody can be saved. Any excuse me, body can be saved, unless you're an animal or something like that, or you know, a robot. But anybody has a chance to be saved. Reason being, they have a chance to be saved because there's there's they have no sin that God can punish them for. That's the only reason. And that was made because what Jesus done on the cross, his atonement. You understand what I'm saying? That's the only reason those doors are open for anybody to be saved. Because if it wasn't for Jesus doing that, then it would be a limited few or nobody is able to get to heaven. Because everybody, there was none righteous, no, 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 not one. Okay, there was none righteous, no, not one. So there's no righteous person in the eyes of God. So if he was charging everyone for sin, or therefore we was under the law, and no one can pass the law, what they would have to do, we would have to do, be under the uh, the law program, and be have to sacrifice animals and different things like that to please God, blood animals to please God, to cleanse our sins. And I think from last I heard about it, uh, when when the Israelites went to the priest, or they took an animal. A blood sacrifice, you know, for their sins to be forgiven. I think that sin, that that sacrifice, only lasts a year. So their sins was forgiven for a year. The last I was hearing about it when I was listening, to Les Feldix and others like that. That sin was forgiven for their sin was only forgiven for a year. Okay, under the grace program, their sins have already been forgiven because Jesus took everybody's sin two thousand years ago. That's very important for the believer to know that. I don't expect the unbeliever, but the believer to know that because they've been taught differently in church. We have been taught differently in church traditionally that the order for your sins to be forgiven, you have to be saved first. Now, Church of God in Christ, Pentecostals believe that also in a lot of churches that you can lose your salvation. So you have to keep confessing, confessing, confessing like that. Yes, that is true, but not under this program. That was true under the kingdom program, but not under this grace program. You understand what I'm saying? All sins have been dealt with according to 2 Corinthians 5 and 19. God is not a purity, no trespasses against no one. So that, that's the only way that everybody is possible is, is able to be uh, saved. Now, let me just get this out. Let me, let me put this out there. Because everybody can be saved. I mean, because everyone's sin has been forgiven, does not mean they will not sin again. Let me say this again, because everyone's, everybody's sin on this earth was forgiven, does not mean they will not sin again. See, there's the penalty for their sin was forgiven, not their sin nature. The penalty of their sins were forgiven, not their sin nature. The sin nature is still there. See? And the sin nature will continue to be there long as, in these, long as we are in these uh, immortal bodies. We're going to sin, some just more than others. And you can't sin for a while. It's times I haven't sinned. So don't let nobody tell you you're going to sin all the time. No, you don't. It's, it's times I would days without sinning. So it is possible not to sin, but it takes a lifestyle change. <laughs> That's the only difference. You do not have to sin. It takes a lifestyle change, so it's times you can sin in weeks without sinning. I do that a lot. See, my point is, if I do sin, and I will, not because I want to, and remember I don't have to, it's not being charged against me. And it's the same with you. But you, because your sins are forgiven, you still have a sin nature. Okay, now let me give you a little another another scenario. If God, which is going to happen in the future, if God forgave all sins and he delivered everybody in the world from their sin nature, then nobody will sin again. Because you don't have the depth of sin, you don't have the sin nature in you. You will not have a sin again. You will have no desire to sin because he took it away. But he did not do that. He just took away the penalty of it. Therefore, when you become sinless or free of sin, it's when you get the new body and the sin nature is gone. And that's the day of the catching of the church after that, I have a new immortal body. This old dirty flesh is going to be dead. I'm sinless now. I will never, never sin again in my life because the sin nature is gone. I won't have an appetite for sin or nothing. Because the sin nature is gone. See? But that's after the rapture that catched the way of the church. Alright? Now, back, going all the way back, the question was asked, could a homosexual go to heaven? And uh, I say, yes, a homosexual, the name homosexual. It sounds like it's it's an active lifestyle. Now when you say when I hear that, we say could a homosexual go to heaven? Okay, you talk about a homo an active homosexual that's in the lifestyle and they just want to go to heaven, or you're talking about a whole ex homosexual that wants to change and stop. See that's the difference that's the that's that's the that's the question that should be asked. Could a homosexual that's want to change his life? and want to get out of the situation what they're in, go to heaven? Yes, they can. Could an active homosexual that's uh, reprobate and don't want to change their lifestyle, want to keep their lifestyle, keep just living like that, go to heaven? No, I don't think so. No. And I told you why. And I told you why. The reason I said that, well, how do you get saved today? By faith and believing. By believing what Jesus did
2: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DW. Void We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: Who does the, who does the bring? Who does the compelling? The Holy Spirit does. Holy Spirit brings some type of contract to your heart, conviction to your heart. What that conviction does. Your faith is believing, but the conviction just saying, I'm a sinner. I need to stop these things that I'm doing. The only way you could be genuinely saved, you have to be having in your heart, man, I want to change, man. Or I'm, not, I'm using man as a term now, okay? You have to have a genuine change in your heart if you want to change your lifestyle. Not on the basis of sin, because remember, your sins are not getting charged about uh, 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 charged against you, but you're saying in your heart, I want to change. It's a full package. That's why I said no one never really could, truly got saved without wanting to change things in their life, wanted to change their lifestyle or what they're struggling with, even homosexuals. A true ex-homosexual that's saved today, and you do have Ex homosexuals that saved. Now, I'm not saying they don't struggle. I'm not saying they went back, they haven't went back into their lifestyle, but it's always a struggle. I'm not saying the struggle struggling, homosexual. Just like I wouldn't say that about anybody with struggling with any type of illicit sex or habit. I'm talking about one before they got saved. Because remember, the enemy is going to attack you, whatever stronghold or device you're going through after salvation. It's not like he's going to stop. See, but the difference is you already insured now. That's why I'm, I agree with a lot of ministers, including Les Feldick, a true believer that wants to be saved, is not going to want to just go back to his lifestyle. He may struggle or she may struggle because the enemy is going to attack them. That's why we got to put on the armor. We got the prayer. We got to stay strong. But you have believers do struggle and fall back. I know that bad experience, but I get right back up. My point is, it's pre-salvation. What's your heart like pre-salvation? And the only one knows the true intent of your heart is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. You understand what I'm saying? So if you come with an uncontrite heart, let me start with the contrite. Now, I gave you an example of David, using David, a broken heart saying, Lord, I want to stop what I'm doing. Now, your belief is like this. Lord, I believe what Jesus has done on the cross. You don't really have to say, Lord, I want to stop what I'm doing because you put it on a sin conscious. God already knows you talking about you want to change your lifestyle, period, as well. He knows that. See, he knows that. The Holy Spirit compelled you, and you're saying to yourself, I know this lifestyle is wrong. Whatever illicit sex that you are doing, you know, I'm going to talk about other uh, things besides sex now. So I don't think I'm just banging on sexual sayings and homosexuality. But since that's what's going on, that's a strong movement today. I'm going to hit on that. OK, that's the only reason. OK, so to answer a question like that is be honest. If you are a believer is how genuine is your heart when you believe in this? It's still, this is not easy believism, which means you can just say it and just continue to live like you live. No, it, it, it don't work like that. And even in Paul's time, people were saying Paul was teaching that. They were saying, Paul said, man, this all we have to do is just believe and get saved and then we continue to live like I live. And Paul had to rebuke that. See, Paul had to rebuke that first of all. First of all, you, as a believer, when you're talking to an unbeliever, first of all, when I mention easy believism, God knows when you're genuine. So it's just not, oh, all I got to do is just say I, I believe in Jesus and everything, because you don't. You don't truly believe. that. How could I say that? Because you're not willing to give up your lifestyle. And you know what the Word of God requires, unless you have a corrupt Bible. Unless you have a Bible saying something else, then you are deceived. You, you see what I'm saying? If you have a corrupt Bible that teaches you some other way, then you are being deceived. It's a. It's some churches, a whole church is going to hell because they have a certain Bible. Most of the Catholic church a lot. Um, the homosexual church, they got a lot of homosexual Bibles now. They have They have different types of Bibles now that's corrupted. Basically, a lot of them don't have nothing to do with no text, the traditional or the original text. It just destroyed it a lot, I believe. So that's why a lot of them believe that can go to heaven because their Bible, their translations, and I got into that as well, their translations tell them that they could because a lot of these translations don't teach too much, I believe, on sin. There's no way a universal church or a lot of those... uh uh. Uh, different type of churches that have all kind of things going on in their church and the church allow it. All you got to do is look at the Bibles they read. I, I, most definitely I know it ain't the King James Bible. <laughs> so I know it ain't the King James. It's some other translation. See? And some tra- other translations, let me be fair, are better than others. You have some translations that's better than others, that they won't have in a church, but I bet it's, it's a Bible. Sometimes it's probably a translation that's uh, in there that uh probably never heard of. Or, it might be a translation in there that the, the pastor is your interpreter. And it might talk about sin or something against sin, but the pastor interprets another way. If he uh, promotes a certain lifestyle. You, you understand what I'm saying? So many, a lot of people in the church go by what their pastor says about the Bible. Most of the church goes by what the pastor says. Pastors just like the last word. So it's also that also can be an issue as well in a lot of churches. It depends what your pastor interpret about that, and if they interpret it in some way. It's hard to see what the word is really saying, because all you have is a traditional photographic look on what your pastor said meant. So it's going to really take the Holy Spirit to really guide you in the right way. And sometimes it takes sometimes that might take you leaving your church building or it is going to, you know, it is going to take something for you, for God to really work on you. Sometimes you got to get by yourself. And get away from a lot of people. And you lose a lot of friends for the Holy Spirit to really work with you. But you still got to have a broken heart and say, Holy Spirit, work with me. And he will if you allow him. Okay. So that was my answer on when it came to that. You know, so you might differ and you might have a different opinion. I understand that. But that's the way I look at it. You have some people so hardcore, ain't no homosexual. Oh, you're going to hell. Now, when you tell a person that you hurt a, you hurt a homosexual, and you might hurt a person, you know, that's in some type of sin and want to stop, and they feel that there, uh, there's no way that they, God will forgive them because you already told them. All homosexuals going to hell. So someone will say, why why try to get right in the way? I'm already sinning so bad. I, you know, that's the worst sin that I can anybody can do. I don't have a way to get it, go to heaven anyway. So why shouldn't I just even try to do better? You know, you can plant that seed. See, that's what people are confused about. I got the I have to get checked on that too from one of my mentors about the term reprobate. A reprobate can't be converted. But at the at the time uh they are reprobate, God cannot use you because they're set in their minds. And reprobate can be a believer too, in certain doctrines. You know. But my point is, you can make a plea a person believe that's in homosexuality or any type of sin they struggle with, that they don't have no chance to be saved. That's why a lot of them convert to university, universal churches and stuff like that. Or soft churches, or the Joel State type of churches, or the Andy Stanleys and stuff like that. That's why they convert to those churches because they don't hear hell and condemnation. They don't think they have a chance. So they go to the soft preaching and whatever like that. Then they get more confused because these churches tell you that you're okay. And God loves you. As long as you believe and let Jesus in your heart, you're okay. It doesn't address a lot of them. I'm saying all of them. Don't address that to lifestyle has to be changed. Because if your lifestyle isn't changed before conversion, you're not going to be whole hundred, a whole hundred percent sincerely believing what Jesus has done for you. Because you know the requirements. You will get convicted. The Holy Spirit will convict you of that. No doubt about that. You, just, you can sit up that lie and say, don't, but you just deny it. You know when your heart is wrong. Because the Spirit of God is going to convict you of that but you just deny it. So don't blame God. You blame yourself on that. Because he's he's got the doors open for you and you know know the requirement. There's still a requirement even though all you have to do is believe by faith. There's still a requirement. Now what do I mean by that? You have to be totally sold out. You have to be totally, you ever heard that term? You have to be totally sold out. For you coming to 100 percent belief. And I think a lot of us failed on that when we explain, we don't explain it to the unbeliever. Because a lot of them say yes and they they, they might follow your sinner's prayer and whatever like that. They, They're doing it because they want to please you. They want to get you off their back, but they still confused because it's not explained to them. They still have questions, even though they don't know the questions to ask. OK, so that's why I came to that conclusion when it came to home. And that applies to any person that's living in sin. Any person, not just homosexualities, homosexuals. That applies to adulterers, fornicators and anybody. Let me read you a passage right quick. Let me read a passage from. Uh, Second Timothy here. Second Timothy 3 and 1. Let me read you a pass- passage and I'm a I'ma explain why I read this.
2: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
0: A laundry? Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh?
2: Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino.
1: This is 2 Timothy. This, this is a letter from Paul. Paul was in prison. This is a letter from Paul. And uh, he's addressing the last days. Now, when you think about the last days, you're thinking about before the tribulation and stuff like that. It was going to happen in the tribulation and stuff like that. But no, uh, Paul is not talking about that. He's talking about the last days for the body of Christ. Because remember, the body of Christ is going to get called up in the rapture. So he's talking about the last days of the body of Christ, not the tribulation period, because we're not going to be going into the tribulation period. Always remember that. The body of Christ, the new preacher, is not going to be partakers of the seven-year tribulation period. None of that. Millennium kingdom or none of that. Okay. So he's talking about the last. You got to keep it in context. The last days that Apostle Paul is talking about is the last days of the body of Christ. We could see a lot of these things going on now, what he's going to mention. It's the last days of the body of Christ, not the tribulation. OK, now, Second Timothy three and verse one reads like this. Now, listen to all these things that Paul is. Uh, all these traits and all these issues that people are going to be more. Uh, it's going to be more prevalent. It's gonna be more they're gonna be more open, it's gonna be more stronger in the last days. See? Now remember Paul That Paul, this is thousands of years ago what Paul was talking about. See the last days what uh <clears throat> let me let me say this. When Peter talked about, I think in Acts 2, he talked about what's gonna be happening in the last days. Peter was talking about. The tribulation period. You know when he talk about the sun, the the uh, the moon will turn red and whatever like that. He was talking about the tribulation period in those last days. Paul's last days, like I said, is talking about uh, the times of the body of Christ, the church, before the catching away. Remember, these two are two different events what Peter is talking about, what Paul is talking about. You must remember that as a believer, church, these two different events, okay? So remember the last days he is talking about is his time into the present. And especially these times. So he said, in the last this know also that in the last days, so in the last days can be pointed to the future before the catching away of the church. But, in other words, you don't know because Paul didn't know when the, trip, or the rapture of the church is going to happen. He did not know. He, he thought it was going to happen in his time because he talked about a lot of things like it was going to happen, in, especially first and second Thessalonians. So when he said the last days is just going to be, you know, in his time and whatever time is after that, you know, anything that's leading up to the catching away, which no man knew. is the last days, but this will give you an idea that we've been close to the, uh, because remember, there's no prophecy. And there's no signs and nothing that's shown when the rapture is going to come. Only the tribulation period for Israel and whoever's left here. Okay. All right. That's, that's a little Bible study. Let me read this. 2 Timothy 3 and 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, and unthankful. Now, let's go to number two. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. Now, this is not basically talking about homosexuality. It's just talking about arrogance. They love themselves more than God. They love the things of God. So, this is not basically talking about, you know, uh, homosexual and stuff like that. It's just talking about men could be puffed up. Men and women. Remember, men and women as well are going to be puffed up in those days. They will be lovers of their own selves. Covetous. You notice covetous comes right after that that sentence. So that's why I don't believe he's talking right here. He's not specifically talking about homosexuality or anything like that yet. So, two says, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. Arrogant, stuck up, proud of their own selves. You know, you can see that going on right now. Right now, you know. Covetous, bolsters, which means braggers, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, Verse three, without natural affection. What does that mean? What do you think without natural affection mean? Now, if you got another translation, it might just come out say something uh, more clear for a modern person to understand. But King Jimmy, remember I'm reading out of the King James. Without natural affection. Okay, what's natural affection? If you look in that in in a relationship uh, situation or what's natural to do whatever, nat- you doing things naturally. Okay, let me what's the best way I can say that? Now if you're looking at it in a personal or a gender perspective without natural affections it means mean you are attracted to the opposite sex. That can mean that without natural affection. Say I'm looking at it in broad way when it says it like this, without natural affection. Now, is he talking about personal or gender wise without natural affection? If he's talking about it that way, then yes. What is the natural way or affection? You have a natural feeling for a man, for, for a woman and a woman for a man. That's natural. Unnatural is when a woman is in love with another woman or want another woman or attracted to another woman, a man attracted to another man. That's when it comes to gender or relationships, natural affection. He wasn't specific on this one, but that that's so why I believe he's looking at it in a broad way. Now he could be talking about that, but it's not specific. But that's part of it. Natural affection, without natural affection, you know without natural affection. Anything that's supposed to be natural. It's going to be unnatural. You can see all that coming out with all these movements, all these laws passing, how the way people think. See, what's good is evil. Evil is good. See, all that is unnatural without natural affection. It's like broad, okay? Truth breakers, breaking promises, false accusation, liars. Oh, it's a lot of lying going on. Oh, man, you're talking about lying. Not only with politicians, but people lie so much today, man. False accusations. False accusers. Fake media. Fake, fake a lot of things, man. Accused of something, man, just because you want your agenda to pass. False accusers. incontinent, Fierce despisers of those that do, that do good. A lot of that going on. Verse four. Traitors. heady, high-minded. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. That's going on also as well, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away let me read this again traders heady, heady high minders lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away now I want to get okay what says it for this sort of for of this sort. Verse 6, are they which creep into houses? house and he kept, okay, I'm going to stop at 5 because I have to go through the whole thing. six. I wanted to make a point by stopping at 5. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Is it a lot of form of godliness out here today? Think about it. Is it a lot of form of godliness down out here in the church today? In America, I'm not talking about around the world, but I'm just saying it's particularly in America, a form of godliness. Now, to be fair, when Paul talking about a form of godliness, you know, he's not talking about America. (laughs) He talked about anybody, anywhere in any nation. So I don't want to think of just beating up America. This is everywhere these actions and these things like that because he's not pointing out America and I know we got a habit of looking at America I believe each nation when they read this need to look at their country but everybody else is looking at everybody else's country <laughs> This is that's anybody that's doing these things not a, a, a particular country now you might have some nations it more than others you know America's right on top up there but at this time Paul ain't got America in his mind see we do when I read this, but my point is, this is for anybody, everybody in all nations. These are one that uh, that has this around them. Now, he says, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such, turn away. Anybody that's, you have these fake churches, you have these churches that look good on the outside. See? They look godly. Now you notice, Paul said, "Form of godliness, little g." See, people's perception of being godly-looking, a holy-looking, is always an act, or, or it's religion. That's what it really is. It's a form of godliness. It's religious. You look like you're religious, or. The term Christian, you look like a Christian. People define a Christian on where they talk, what they dress, how they walk, and how charismatic they are. A lot of people uh, 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 base a person being a strong Christian on that. I mean, man, what gets me when I listen to or look at a podcast, uh, whether it's on Christianity or just a, a certain topic, Men and women praise men so highly that they don't know nothing about. Now, it's okay to agree or have some type of familiarity of what someone is talking about. But when you get to the point, when your reviews is God sent you, God led me to the station to hear you. You know what you saying and everything like that God led me this way, and God told me to come. You are preaching it right brother i, I that's why I listen to you. People need to listen to you because you led by you a man of God, you are anointed. when I hear things like that, and i and I already listen to the topic this person was talking about, and I know it's not it's not according to the Word of God. I know how lost and deceived people are. You see. People so caught up in uh, pleasing the flesh, lifting up man. See, Jesus told us the leaders, y'all will listen to somebody else with that doubt you, but, in a paraphrased way, but you won't listen to me. But if anybody else comes saying this, you'll listen to them, but you won't listen to me. See, people listen to man. Their man follows. That's why it's going to be easy to follow Antichrist in the last days. Because people love to lift up man. I, I don't care if I get one and two comments, you know, far as that don't sit up, don't say God sent me. I understand. Don't say that because I'm a man and I'm gonna make mistakes. Okay? You look that stuff up yourself. You know, okay, God you know, you know, when you start lifting up people and saying this man teaching a white world, and then I can look at the verses he's using, I can see he's off or she's off. But the somewhat students don't know that. Because they're a man follower. They follow a man more than they follow God. And a lot of them uh, don't really read the Bible themselves. Also, they have many different translations because they quote them there. And they don't really read the Bible themselves. Their interpretation and wisdom of the Bible usually depends on what that YouTube person is teaching. Because it sounds good. It sounds right. Because it sounds good, it sounds right, don't mean it's right. Now, I'm not saying they are wrong. I'm not even blaming the YouTube teachers. I'm blaming the followers. They need to be careful. See, they need to be careful. Some people spend all their time, I believe, on a certain YouTube person. Don't even crack the Bible open themselves. They go by what that YouTube person is saying, which is dangerous, which is very dangerous. See? So everything, I don't try to hit every topic and everything that's going on around like some YouTubers. They each is own, but I do not do that because I don't want nobody to think I, I got an answer for everything because you're wrong somewhere. And I think you ought to let that be known. This is what, you, I don't care what scriptures you use. You cannot use every scripture and just put it, apply it for today. You cannot do that because there's different Dispensations, different programs. You cannot use a lot of scriptures and keep applying it for the church today. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, so you need to be careful. Sometimes you can be walking a slippery slope. When I heard this man say that I, I, I preach the word of God, and what I preach, I'm, I'm, I'm always preaching the word of God. So everything I talk about is the word of God, period. And when I heard that, I wanted to call him arrogant or whatever like that because I heard him before and somebody else rebuked him on that, which was wrong. And the one that rebuked him on that, you know, I don't agree with that theology as well either. But my point is, when you come out arrogant like that and say, I always preach, I don't go do, nothing. well, I'm not going to misquote what he said, but it has something in line to do. Whatever I'm doing is coming out of the word of God. man. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's your interpretation of what you think you're right. Therefore, that brings somewhat of an arrogance. You don't say everything correctly out of the word of God. Nobody does. Nobody's a hundred percent right. Nobody is not even Apostle Paul. No one only Jesus was a hundred percent right. Some people come close, like Paul and a few others you know, but no, no one is 100%, uh, so you need to leave that alone, you make many mistakes just like me and others, okay so, you have to be careful, alright form of godliness having a form of godliness, churchism Christendom, the majority of the church here in America has a form of godliness but a lot of us denying the power what is one of the ways of denying the power, false doctrine. False gospel. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay. Now, when I say false gospel, I don't mean the people, everybody is doing it on purpose. I'm not calling them a false teacher. I'm very, very careful of calling somebody a false teacher. Uh, and I think we need to look into more what God considers a false teacher. I believe a false teacher is somebody just purposely false. Uh, 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 misleading people with doctrine, like some of the prosperity teachers and the healer te- teachers. These are false teachers. See, they know better, but they're blind with money. They're blind with stuff. Those are false teachers, not the ones that think they're teaching uh, uh, the Word of God correctly, They still have an opportunity to get it right now. Somebody come to them and try to help them to get on track and they still don't want to listen. And they tell them what they're wrong and they still don't want to listen. And then they start spitting out the same thing. Then they become false teaching. You choose that false doctrine. You're not ignorant no more because you have been warned. You have been warned. God is specific of what doctrine he wants you to say. And when you ignore it because you're more concerned of what your flock and your, your leader is going to say, then you become a false teacher. Those are the ones that has no power in their church. Now, people say, but what about all those people being in their church? you can have the biggest church in the world and still God is not there. Put, uh, uh, a Gathering of people is not hard. You've got the occult gather thousands of people you got a lot of sex that gathers a big crowd of people you got a lot of self claimed christians look at look at jim jones had thousands that followed him and he murdered a lot of over 2000 david koresh all these false teachers have big followers around the world that he even was able to seduce and manipulate them and hoodwook and bamboozied him to follow him by some other spirit. It wasn't the Holy Spirit. He was so messed up. He got into drugs and all. He was so into himself, so in love with himself. He was sleeping with a lot of women, according to his story. He was doing drugs. He was so caught up demonically. I think he was possessed. He was so caught up in it. God wasn't there. There was some other spirit. It was demonic. It was an evil spirit, it was Satan, it wasn't God. The churches, most churches with the biggest crowd are don't have any power. It's not the Holy Spirit. What's the biggest church as in the four walls today? The Catholic Church. Millions and millions are proclaimed Roman Catholics and part of the Catholic Church. And the Catholic Church is one of the biggest and most evil organizations out there that's ran by Satan. Now, I'm not saying every person that's in there. I'm not saying that. I hope you know that back now. Come on. I hope you know that back now. Before you shoot me down. I hope you know that back now. But the Catholic Church system is demonic. It's evil. Even their Bible they read. Or what they claim the Bible. Because it's not the word of God. The, the, the demonic fake miracles, the Mary crying and all that. There. The evil spirits can do that as well. It's going to happen even more prevalent in the last days. You got people that can do illusions and all kind of weird creepy stuff because they, 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 they touch the spirit around. Not the Holy Spirit, but demonic spirits. So, usually, those things manifest themselves in the church. And people, Satan always come like the angel of light. So, a lot of things you see happening in church that's so called miracles are not from the Holy Spirit. You have to understand that. See, you have the big crowds. You have in Africa, they touching babies and the babies somewhat come to life and stuff like that. A lot of that is manipulation and trickery. Again, some of it is voodoo and demonic. You must understand that. It's not the Holy Spirit because you look see something that seems somewhat miraculous. Doesn't mean it's from God because God Devils can manifest that stuff, too. Think of the times of Moses. Moses threw his rod down. You see that Janice and Jambres was able to do the same thing. They threw their rods down. What happened? Even their rods turned to snakes as well. By the demonic, though. So you have to understand that today. When you see certain... uh, The Bible calls them false miracles and stuff like that. Happens. The demonic world. That's the because you 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 believe in it so much, it will manifest itself in your surroundings. So back to what let me digress. Big crowds and all that does not mean that the power of God is in that church. And the majority of the mega church, is not. Don't have God there. It's not the power of God. See another uh. Uh, proof and example I can could, I could tell you why God is not moving in the church. is because of false doctrine. God do not move in no false church that's preaching false doctrine. See? God is not moving. I mean, I'm, I'm really going to touch someone. He's not moving in no church that's preaching the kingdom gospel. The gospel for Israel. He's not there because that program is not here now. It's been postponed. God is not moving in that church. God is not moving in a homosexual church. God is not moving in a church that sells drugs. God is not moving in a church that's doing business left and right. Now, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with business, but using his word to bring certain things, promoting their businesses, promoting real estate, promoting this and saying this from God, talking about being a building kingdoms and stuff like that for the glory of God. That's false doctrine. That ain't for God. That's the flesh. God is not in those churches. But those churches get wealthy and everything. It's not because of the Holy Spirit or the power of God. You could be wealthy and have a big church and prosper, don't mean it's God. The unsaved prosper every day.
2: Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky?
0: In line at the deli, I guess? Uh Aha, in my dentist's office. for free at LuckyLandSlots.com Daily bonuses are waiting No purchase necessary, void were prohibited by law 18 plus, terms and conditions apply See
1: website for details So prospering is not hard Because you are wealthy, you prosper, you got all these cars Don't I mean it's a move of God You got the world does that, you got gurus that can do that You understand what I'm saying? People, we need to grow up Mature in the things of God Denying the power thereof But let me say this Remember, I talked about what it's going to take for even a homosexual to get to heaven. It's going to take the same for these people. Now, did God give up on these people? Has he given up on the people that don't have no natural affection? Has he given up people on truth breakers? Could a truth breaker go to heaven? Could a natural affectionate person go to heaven? Could a false accuser go to heaven? Could an incontinent go to heaven? I got to look more into that word with that means. Because a fierce... The spices of those that are good go to heaven? Could traders go to heaven? Could high-minded people go to heaven? Could lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God go to heaven? Not if they choose to stay in that state. No, because they can never come with a contract broken heart and really believe what Jesus has done. See? But if they repent, change their minds, and they just come to God and want to just believe Jesus, what he done there, and be saved and with the full package, yes, they can. They don't have to stay useless and reprobate. But if they, you're going to have more of these people that's going to bust hell wide open because it's the choice of their, it's their own choice. It ain't that God neglected them and said they was worthless now like a lot of Calvinists teach that God predestined some to go to hell. No, God don't predestine nobody to go to hell. He's an all-knowing God, so he just already knows the ones that will go to hell. It ain't got nothing to do with him because he picked them out to go to hell. It's just he already knew they was. Just like he already knew I was going to be saved and you was going to be saved if you saved. He already know. The ones that's not going to be saved, he already know the ones that listen to this message, they're going you know, to they either accept it or they won't accept it. He knows everything about that. It ain't that he predestined it, that he wanted, he he planned it on a board that this is, I'm going, I, it's me just stopping this or doing this. It's just he already knew and advanced all things. That's what the Calvinist got it wrong. See, because a person going to hell, I mean, God pointed out for them to go to hell. It's just me. He already knew they was. You you understand that? You understand what I'm saying? The will of God is for all men to be saved. Okay? All men to be saved. Matter of fact, let's go there. Let's go there. Let's go there. The first Timothy or second Timothy. Let me see. I always get the first and second messed up. But let me let the Word of God speak for itself. Uh himself is not an it himself. Okay. I'm a slow typer. I still use fingers. <laughs> First Timothy. Let's say two. Two, three, two and uh four. Right, let's go there. All right, verse four says God, now, let me read three to put a little context with it. For this is a good and acceptable uh, in the sight of God, our Savior. And four says, who will have all men. Listen to that. He, God will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's telling you God wants everybody to be saved, but they're not. But his will and desire is for all men and women to be saved. If God was predestined like the Calvinists teach for only certain ones to go to heaven and go to hell, he would say it will say this: God will have many or some to be saved. It wouldn't say all Now you might have some Bibles that use that because some translations do change things around change things around. You probably have translations that change the all to some or many to try to justify that point. You understand what I'm saying? So I wonder, is that out there? But what the King James Bible says, God, who will have all men to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. So God's desire is always been for all men and women to be saved and then come into the knowledge of the truth so don't think that God is chosen or have chosen some word some some for salvation and some for damnation that's not what Paul is talking about what he says predestined See, that word is just kind of confusing. Predestination. That mean if you read it in the King James and it said predestination nation, a lot of believers even today think that means that God predestined some to die and go to hell and some to go to heaven. But I'm 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 here to tell you that's not what that means. That will contradict uh Second Timothy then. That would would be the Bible contradicting itself. And that's why a lot of people say the Bible contradicts contradicts itself, especially the King James. That's why they don't read it. That's why they get other other translations that's going to appease them. So they say the Bible, the King James, when they say the Bible is an error, they basically talking about the King James Bible. See, that's basically what they're talking about, the King James Bible. But the King James Bible is not an error. You have to learn how to connect the dots. See? If you when you learn how to connect the dots, you would know, no, God is not saying, that. oh, this is what God is saying. So God can't say this and then switch around and say that. Another error you make in the Bible and many make in the Bible is because they mix the teachings of Paul with the Gospels and all that. And there's, you're going to find a lot of contradictions. I call them good contradictions because neither side is wrong. It's just you wrong because you're mixing them up. You're wrongly dividing them. See, when you mix Paul's teaching, Romans 13, with the four gospels, etc., and stuff like that, you're going to find contradictions. Many sects find contradictions when they read the Bible. They said the Bible contradicts itself too much. No, it's you. You don't know how to connect the dots. You don't know how to rightly divide. It's not the Bible. It's man. It's man, okay? All right. I'm going to end it with that. I hope you got something out of that, okay? And I advise you to just read the word of God yourself. Uh, uh, understand what happens in salvation. Read the book of Romans uh, 4 all the way to 8. Read what happened. Try to get some understanding. Read Second Corinthians five and nineteen. Read Second Corinthians five and eighteen. Hey, well, go back and read Second Corinthians five and sixteen when Jesus talks about, you know, we no longer follow any man in the flesh. We don't even follow Jesus in the flesh no more. What is that saying? In a modern vernacular. We do not follow Jesus' earthly ministry anymore. What was this earthly ministry? The four gospels. We do not follow that way anymore. Not saying that way is wrong and bad. We just don't we're not under that gospel today. We don't have to follow that way. That is not our program. So read 2 Corinthians 5 and 16 as well. Okay? Understand what happened with God when he reconciled the world to himself first. And the way he was able to do that is when Jesus took away all man's sin, then we are able to be reconciled back to him because Second Corinthians five and nineteen said God is not counting any trespasses or imputing, the King James says, any trespasses against the world. Not just the same, but the world. Okay? Matter of fact, let's go there before I go. Uh, let's let's go there. Okay. So you stop thinking it's just me. For the ones that, you know, let's go there. It's gonna take me a while because I'm a slow typer, and these words are very, very little. Let's go to a second. Corinthians. Oh, these words are so little, man. I tell you. I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna get there. I'm just a slow typer. I don't have my my Bible, my book Bible. I left it by a mistake at work. And I I usually I just flat right through it so I'm on this uh Phone right now, Second Corinthians 5 and 19. Sometimes I get the first and second mixed ups at times. Okay, let's go there and see what happens. Okay, what I'm going to do, <clears throat> those scriptures I just mentioned, I'm going to read those first. Let's go to 16. Remember I talked about we don't have to follow Jesus' earthly ministry no more. Your translation might say something totally different or it says the exact thing. Most translations have it all confusing. But this is the King James. All right. 16, wherefore, henceforth. Henceforth means, it, it means different, but in this context, it means for now on or going forward. That's what the henceforth mean. Wherefore, for now on or going forth. But I'm going to read it like it's read in King James, wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. What is that saying? For now on we don't know no man or follow no man after the flesh and his human nature. Yea, though though we used to follow Christ after the flesh, in other words, his human nature when he was on earth, his humanity, a lot of times the flesh talking about uh, humanly when we use on earth. We used to follow Christ after the flesh, yet now his forth, we him no more. It says but for now on, we don't follow him in his human nature no more. We don't follow him as way he would when he was in the flesh, when he was in his human nature, when he was in his earthly ministry. We don't follow him, follow his what? His teachings of what he was doing then. We don't follow that no more. Then 17 says this, therefore, if any man be in Christ from now on, I'm adding that now on, but I'm just letting you uh, get something out of it. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, a lot of believers never read these three together like that. You, This is connecting the dots. They just read one verse. They skip 16. I believe the most of the churches skip 16, but they go right to here. Therefore, if any man being Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new because they look at it as an individual salvation. See, but if you how, you cannot do that unless you read it in the context and just start at least 15, 16 and 17. See, after it says we no more follow Christ in his earthly ministry. Why? Because any man that's in Christ now, he is a new creature. Those old things passed away. Those ways we used to look at Christ on the earth has passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, 18, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Now, who reconciled what? God reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, this is saying God reconciled himself to us, not we reconciled ourselves to him. We are reconciled, God reconciled himself to us, okay, first of all, by Jesus Christ, what he done on the cross and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. What is the ministry of reconciliation? We go out there and tell people the same message, how they can be reconciled back to God now. You understand that? As part of the Our mission, not the Great Commission, this is the ambassadors. We are ambassadors and reconcilers in Christ. Now, read 19. To wit, that God was in Christ, was in Christ. This is the word I want you, the verse I want you to hear reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. And has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Then he goes on to say, Now then, now then we, like I was just saying, are ambassadors for Christ. And though God did beseech you by us and pray you God stead, ye reconcile to God. Let's go back to nineteen. To wit that God was in Christ. Okay. Who was in Christ? God the Father. Was in the Son reconciling the who the world, not the believers, and not the saved, the world unto Himself, not imputing there who's there there the world trespasses unto them, and hath committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now we have to minister reconciliation to what? To tell the world this good news that God is not imputing trespasses against against them because of what His Son Jesus done on the cross. On the atonement, that's the atonement. When he said it is finished, it is complete, he was talking about the world. Not for salvation, but for forgiveness. I hope you're getting this. You never heard this before, but this is in your Bible. We was never told this. Denominational traditional doesn't tell you this. A lot of them because they don't know. That's why Satan's hands is to end these denominations denominations, because he don't want you to know the the real gospel salvation. He don't want you to know the ministries of Paul. Okay, I'm going to leave you where I said, you know, the way to get saved in that second Corinthians 15 and one. I hope you look up these passages and scriptures and verses. Put your pride and your preconceived traditional thinking out the way and just read these verses objectively with an open mind, and believe it. Block out your traditional belief. God means what he said. And once you believe it, and you receive it, it's a lot of weight will come off of you, and you should be more hungry and happy to witness to people now, because now you ain't got to keep talking about them, about their sins, they need to stop. You'll know it's not about their sins, it's about their belief, with a genuine heart. God made it more simpler for us to witness, folks. We make it harder by our man-made traditions. This is a joy to me. I don't know about you, but this is a joy to me. It's much easier to talk to somebody about Jesus now, knowing I ain't got to keep hitting them upside the head about they need to repent. They need to do this. You understand what I'm saying? That's something you need to think about. Get off yourself. It ain't about you or me. This is about what Jesus done on the cross, okay? All right. We are new creatures. Old things have passed away. Behold, behold, all things has become new. We are new creatures. We are not under the ministry of the four gospels. See, that's what Paul is trying to tell us. Now, when I get on the next podcast, Lord's willing, I'm going to be dealing with with Paul's Gospels, I'm going to be dealing, asking certain questions. I've done some research and I'm going to be asking certain questions about, I'm going to show you certain churches that don't teach Paul's teaching. I'm going to be dealing with different things like that. I'm going to be using AI, artificial intelligence, using AI, you know, because remember AI is unbiased; biased. don't have a favoritism. AI has a problem coming up with coming up with the conclusion because AI, uh, now, unless you just program it to what you want it to say, that's the danger of AI. You can't program it on what you wanted to say, or write a story on what you wanted to say. But if you ask it a straight out question, it's gonna be non-biased, it's gonna be on both sides, it's always gonna look at things in both sides, which is good. Because some of us just want to see things on our side. We have to look at it objectively and let AI break it down on both sides, see? And AI also be... Wrong a lot too, I've noticed that because why? AI don't understand the spiritual things. AI cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit. AI cannot be saved. So he's looking AI is a artificial intelligence, gathers all his stuff from the worldwide web. World. I still call it that. I know this old school. You know, the internet and everything like that. It's not it don't have a spirit, it's not filled with the spirit. I believe in the last days it may be able to be demonically controlled, but that's just my opinion. But I'm saying for now it's not filled with the Holy Spirit or nothing like that. So it can only look at things and figure out things way the world looks at things. You know, Christian Christendom looks at things and come up with a conclusion. Only things is, is the only thing is, it's getting that information from the world. It's not making it up itself. It's getting it from the world. It can just produce it faster. That's the only difference. It can just produce it for you faster, which a man cannot do, which a human cannot do. That's what makes these AI uh, intelligence so unique. So it can't be used for good if it's in the good hands, but it also can be used for evil if you programs that way, which it will be. You know, they're doing it now. But my thing is, it's certain questions I asked them. I asked them about different churches and different things and whatever like that. I asked them why, according to what you come up with, why people don't like Paul's teaching. I'm going to get into that. And it's amazing. It's a lot of churches, uh, don't teach, don't, 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 uh, teach the uh Paul's teaching. Don't follow Paul's teaching, and some of them get uh their reasons why, and I mean they come down hard too. One of them I already knew because it doesn't land up with Jesus teaching in the four gospels. I already knew that because they don't understand that uh the same one, the same Jesus that teaches in the four gospels is the same Jesus that teaches Paul in his his letters. You got an earthly ministry of Jesus and a heavenly ministry of Jesus. Mostly all churches, majority of churches don't even know that. That Jesus has two ministries, two programs. And he don't teach the same thing. So many people hate Paul. So when you're hating Paul, you're just basically hating Jesus. When you hate the words of Paul, you're hating the words of Jesus because Jesus is the one talking through Paul. He's the one revealing this to Paul. See? Give you an example. Even when Paul was persecuting the church, he didn't know he was persecuting Jesus. Jesus had a reminder Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Persecuting me is like kicking against the pricks. You're kicking against yourself. Paul was ignorant. He did not know that he was persecuting Christ. He didn't know there was Christ, the resurrected Christ, working through these disciples. He did not know that. Today, it's the same way. Many people persecute Paul, don't even know they're persecuting Jesus. Paul talking through Jesus. Many people look at it like they're putting Paul over Jesus because they don't understand. Many people can lift up Moses there, talk about Moses all, way, all day long, don't even know there was Jesus, was Jehovah then, working through Moses. The burning bush was Jesus. He manifested himself as the Jesus then, Jehovah, capital J, Jehovah then was Jesus. Okay, Many people don't know that. They only know that Jesus fleshly in the four Gospels. Remember I said people t- too stuck on how Jesus looking and what color is he and all that ethnicity? That flesh is nothing. It's this man of God working through Jesus. That's why when Jesus said I am, he's saying I'm God. That's what the Bible talks about when Paul talks about the image of God. He's talking about the image of God, not how Jesus looked and because that's not Jesus. That's not how he really looked. That's just the body he used. People, you must understand God is invisible. He worked through demons. They worked through bodies. That's not how they look. They just use bodies. God, invisible, used a body. That's why they say he became flesh. And many people still caught up on his looks or what color he was. Your mind is confused by Satan. I'm going to get into all of that. I want you to understand what is real Christianity. A lot of you have been hearing is fake and is myth. God bless you all until next time. God bless you all. Salvation is today. Not tomorrow. Not 10 minutes from now, but today. Believing in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Genuinely, according to 1st and 2nd Corinthians, one to four. No matter what situation you're in, if you come in with a contract broken heart, it's the only way to be saved. You can't come loosely. You can't go You got to come with a real 100% belief of what Jesus did. You got to sell out, man. You got to sell out, woman. Ain't no half-hearted of keeping on what you want to do and think you'll get in heaven that way. You got to sell out and 100% believe what Jesus done. God bless you all. Peace out. Love y'all. Bye-bye. Left out, (laughs) Peewee.